Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome everybody to the Scarleteers podcast. All right. Yes, this is number four. And this month's podcast, we are talking about above and beyond fans. That's what I'm calling it. Fans that are going above and beyond just being a regular fan. It's kind of like things that are fans that are doing fan fiction, they're doing fan art, they're just being more than a regular fans. Fans that have joined the Scarleteers group and that are just so in love with the group that they want to enhance the feeling of being a Scarleteer or enhance the you know, or continue, I guess, and not necessarily hands, but, you know, okay, Bella and Lindsay, help me out here. What, what, what do and, the fans uh, do? Kind of helping us get through the, the void that is waiting for season two. Yes, that's it. The kind of filling the gaps and the waiting mm-hmm. and helping the, you know, the emptiness and waiting till season two. So, this month, we're talking to members and fans who have helped us along in the wait for season two. So our first guest is Megan. She's a member of the Scarlet Tears group. And Megan does gifts and also, I don't know what you call it, graphic art pictures. I don't know what you call it. Megan, what would you call it? Pictures. Uh, yeah, graphic art pictures, graphic design. That's, yeah, graphic that's definitely designs. what it is. Yeah. We first met you with the gifts. So let's start with the gifts. How do you pick the right moment to gif a scene? Is it just something that makes you laugh or that catches your eyes? Yeah, for the most part, I wanted to pick the, the funny scenes because I think that that's what a lot of people want to watch over and over again. And to me, gifts help you speak the language of Miss Scarlet and the Duke, I guess. It's the easiest to share funny gifts. You don't generally share sad gifts or I guess you could share some angry gifts sometimes, but I went for funny for the most part. We do angry enjoy your gifts. gifts are yeah. good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we did enjoy your gifts a lot. You were mm-hmm. the gift queen. Thank you. I will wear my crown with pride. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you make a GIF? Like I have absolutely, I'm very new to all this technology. Where do you even start? Well, it's helpful that you can actually um, take screenshots online from the PBS Passport. There are some places like Netflix that I, unless I use some crazy, probably horrible malware software, I can't take clips from Netflix. So that's the start, is that you need to be able to take a screenshot and video clips. But um, I use an actual video editing software that I was introduced because my son got into editing videos. I think most people probably use their phones. There are a bunch of apps that can do it through your phone. I prefer the precision of the video editing and because I just have giant fingers, I just can't use my phone to do like all that detail work. I just don't like I have to clip it down and edit. I just I don't see how people can do it that way. But more power to them. 
How long does it take to make one? Does it depend on what your what it is? It depends on what it is. It depends how picky I'm being that day and how much I want to keep off basically yeah, how accurate I want to be in terms of the scene. Sometimes scenes are cut really not appropriate for gifts. So it takes a long time to get like frame by frame down to the last part that I want it to be in the gift. But I mean, if it's a really short scene and there's no text or dialogue to go in it, I could probably do it in like 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, it's wow. not that bad. That That's really quick. I mean, I've done a few gifts, mainly Andrew scenes, of course, uh, from different shows. And um, I maybe go the complicated way because I take a video clip and then I take screenshots and I have a program and it uh, lets you save every frame of that video. Yep. And then I uh, take the frames and make the frames into the GIF. So I'm basically cutting a video, making screenshots, and then creating something that moves again. It, it seems a bit backward, but for me, it's the best way to yeah choose exactly the same or the the one the the part that I really want, the start and finish, and exactly the right timing, I guess. So. It's a bit complicated, maybe. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people do it that way, uh, especially if you don't have access to the actual the video where you can take a whole mm. a whole clip from it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you come up with the captions? That's something that I always struggle with to come up with a funny or, or appropriate caption for your GIF. I think for the most part, I, I use what they actually say. For, for the more well-known or the longer scenes, there are the, some of the other ones, um, the one where William is sitting in the bar, like just kind of hunched over brooding. That's all I did was I was like, wait, he's brooding. So I just wrote broods and I thought the parentheses <laughs> were kind of funny. <laughs> so I, that's how I came up with that one. And then I've used the help of some of the Scarleteers to come up with something funny to say because I really wanted a gif of Ivy. And I picked the scene that I wanted, but I just, I could not come up with anything funny to say. So um, some of the other Scarleteers have helped me come up with funny quotes for them as well. I think Kathy Belton liked that or commented on it. Didn't she? I can't. um, You know what? I think she did. You're right. I, I, I think she did. Yep. So you started with gifts. How did you move to the graphic I think I I felt like I had I had done a bunch of gifts. I had gotten a lot of the scenes that I wanted to be able to use for myself when I was talking to either Scarleteers or non-Scarleteers. And I wasn't I wasn't done with the characters yet. I wasn't done with the the show yet. And I had, you know, rewatched and rewatched and rewatched. And I just wanted to do something a little bit different so I was like well you know with a gif it's it's really short and there are only certain scenes that you can do easily because otherwise it's just too long and I was like well if I want to make a portrait I can just take any screenshot from almost anything and go from there and that's the basics of where that came from (laughs) okay that's a logical step and I it's seen... really interesting that how you've kind of changed it, the scene, and, and made it into a, a picture, like a graphic picture. Yeah. I love them. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. It seems to be a big thing in other fandoms. And I think that's what made me start doing it that way was because I really liked what I had seen some other fans do in, in, for different shows. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to teach myself how to do that. <laughs> um, and I did. Well and then done. you kind of come up with like logos and things, which are really, really cool. Like what, what was your inspiration kind of to do that? My love of um, like fan-made merch goes back probably like, don't even want to say it, but 15 years. It, it started with shows like Veronica Mars and Buffy. And the people would do these funny designs that were sort of in jokes for the people that watched the show. Like for Veronica Mars, there would be like a postcard that said, welcome to Neptune, California. And it just, you wouldn't know what that is unless you watched the show. And, you know, you didn't feel like a silly head walking around with like, I watched Veronica Mars on your shirt, but uh, people who knew what it meant would be like in, they would know what you, what you were wearing. And I guess I kind of wanted to, to create something similar for Miss Scarlet and the Duke was something where you'd be like, Hey, wait a minute. Isn't Ridley's saloon something from that show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke, but not with, you know, having like a giant face plastered on your shirt which I've also done as well but for people who don't want that <laughs> I, do admit, I do wonder sometimes like when I've been to concerts and things and think why are they not slightly more subtle with some of these uh, merchandising because I, I agree with you I love the fact that like our Scarlet Ears and and your logos and everything are, are quite subtle and like you say somebody who doesn't know the show would have absolutely no idea what you're walking around with but somebody yeah. who does would be like ah get the joke yeah and so we can all like subtly wink at each other as we mm-hmm. walk by we're like hey yeah. you're a scarlet here too <laughs> yeah absolutely love those kinds of uh fan merchandise where where it's just a, a phrase or a quote from the show or something and only a fan a true fan would understand it that's the kind of fan merch i like to buy as well mm-hmm. yeah uh, from all kinds of shows. I have too much fan merch. <laughs> There's <clears throat> never too much. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. <laughs> so when you you uh, design your art, do you have a program or do you do it freestyle or how do you do it? I use Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator a little bit too, to, to make everything. So yes, I use a program. Okay. I do not. I do not do anything freehand. I am really. I am not a sketcher or artist like that. I, I draw stick figures, and that's about it. When we see your art, it's instantly recognizable for the scene or the people. What makes you pick that scene or the people that you're gonna? do the picture for like are you looking for a specific profile or a specific scene where you can do the sort of graphic big bold like what are you looking for when you pick something to translate into your art in general i pick scenes that make me happy to look at Mm -hmm. them that's like baseline but also it it is important like i can't do some kind of crazy action scene It, it just wouldn't I guess probably if I was more highly skilled, I, I could, but I'm not there yet. Hopefully I will be. 
but so it has to be relatively stationary. I can do a little bit of movement, but not a lot. Um, like we all know, I'm a big fan of William's forehead curl. <laughs> so I definitely needed to include that in, in one of my pieces of art. And I also, the scene that I did with Rupert and Eliza on the couches, like talking to each other. That scene just made me so happy when I saw it the first time. Like they're just, they're BFFs, they're having a drink, they're hanging out. And it just meant so much for their friendship. And I, I wanted to include that too. Yeah, it's a great scene. It's one of my favorites as well. Mm. I think I probably even went, oh, when Aww. it came on, just because it, <laughs> it was so cute. Like it made me so happy that like they were just, they were best friends. They're auditioning about stuff. They're venting to each other. Mm -hmm. it was adorable it was so you for your art you use a very specific style with um like blank faces I've seen that before other artists use that style is there a specific name to it or why did you choose this style uh, in general it's called a vector portrait they can be as as simplified or as I mean there are, if you Google Vector Portrait, there are some amazing artists out there. You would barely even know it's not a, a picture. But I chose the simple way because <laughs> that was all I can do at the moment. <laughs> I don't like I'm just learning shadows and it's like I can do maybe an arm shadow or uh, folds in a dress shadow, but I do not want to attempt like a nose shadow or eyes or any of that right now I just it's above and beyond what I can do <laughs> so what about the show made you want to create these gifts and this art what drove you to go above and beyond just being a regular fan oh boy this show um The most important thing to me about this show was that it was funny. And it's, that might seem weird in terms of the, the genre that it is, but I just, I remember watching the first scene where she's, you know, in the alley with the street boy and she's going through all of these, you know, I don't know if that was a barn or a warehouse, but I was like, on pins and needles because I was expecting some, some horrible, like violent murder and guts everywhere. And that's just not what I wanted from a show. So I was like, Oh great. I'm not going to be able to watch this. But then that scene unfolded so unexpectedly and so amazingly. And I was like, okay, I can keep watching this. And then I just felt like scene after scene just kept on being unexpected and just funny, but also heartwarming. And also hot Scotsmen are included. <laughs> and it just, it all added up to make me so happy <laughs> and just keep me interested. And it, it's so different than so many shows out there right now. It doesn't feel the need to, well, we need to be dark and gritty and to prove how awesome we are. And I just think it's great. You're doing this graphic art and but you have discovered a new love in your job and you are you're going to school for graphic art. Is that correct? 
Yep. I'm going to get a certificate in graphic design. It's a little terrifying and a little exciting. We're very excited for you. So can we say Miss Scarlet and the Duke is the reason why you are advancing your graphic art? 100%. Like, I don't that think it, if this show had that not just, come out. That just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> that's really, that's really neat. And to think that this small show has blossomed into this fandom that has changed your life in such a giant way that you wouldn't think is just really neat. And we wish you all the best of luck because we think you're fantastic in all you do thank you yes. definitely keep sharing your art with us yes definitely. we love it <laughs> okay i will yes please yes and um, you have a red bubble site that you can, I do you can find through the scarleteers facebook group if you join we have that link so listeners if you're not part of the scarleteers group um why not you can find the link (laughs) well yeah um a why aren't you already and be join for fun things and see megan's art and gifts so and buy her merch yes thank you for all your gifts because i've definitely used them a ton of times and uh, yeah they're brilliant thank you yeah, I I really really wanted to be able to speak in Miss Scarlet and the Duke, so that's what gives it, it for. really does get across your point sometimes, and it's <laughs> even more funnier when you send it to somebody who doesn't have any clue what you're sending them, and it's like brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of like the T-shirt that you see somebody wearing, and it's not it's that subtle mm-hmm. nod of oh I know what that t-shirts mean it's kind of the same thing with the gif you know you see a gif that nobody else understands other than you you're like i know that person you know or i know that gif and so it's really neat to see the spread of this show so yeah and sometimes it's funny because you share a gif on twitter or something and the people go like oh this is a really good gif and this is really funny what show is that from and then you get to talk about the show and promote it that's awesome (laughs) and just to think megan that you're reaching all these people in such a small but important positive way way. yeah that's good (laughs) so we appreciate you megan well done Thanks. Okay, Megan. Um, that's all for us. Um, do you have anything else to say about Miss Scarlet and the Duke? I don't think so. I just want to say thank you for having me. I had fun. All right. Well, thank you for joining thank- us. Yep. Yeah. I told you it wouldn't be painful. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no horrible interrogations. I told it was her it was I wouldn't be an interrogation. That'd be nice. And <laughs> so I promised I promised we would be nice and we were very right. nice. <laughs> okay, our next guest is Diana. Um she's another Scarleteers member. Diana is um a fan of Scarlet and the Duke. 
Um, she makes crocheted dolls. Do you want to call them dolls? I don't want to call them figurines, but dolls, right? Yeah. 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 I think dolls is a better way. Yeah. Good dolls. description. Yeah. So you make crocheted dolls of characters of the show. Yes. So did you start, did you do dolls before the show or did you watch a show and thought, oh, I want to make dolls of these characters? So what came first, the dolls or the show? Well, the dolls actually came first. I've been a long time fan of Darcy and Elizabeth from Pride and Prejudice. And I had been wanting to crochet them for a while. And I had found this pattern on Etsy. And so I made Darcy and Elizabeth first. And then when I made them, I had, was already hooked on Miss Scarlet and the Duke. So they just kind of followed. I don't even remember what gave me the idea to try them. But it's like once I made Eliza and William, it's like the other characters just followed and they haven't stopped. Okay. Padre is my next one <laughs> I want to do. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. So, so I don't know. Miss Scarlet and the Duke it took off way more than Darcy and Elizabeth did, but I've, I've really enjoyed making all of them. Okay. So you were making the dolls for Darcy and Elizabeth and you thought, oh, it translates easily to Miss Scarlet and the Duke. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of not quite the same time period, but similar. So Victorian, you know, I don't know. They just kind of followed along. So pattern kind of fit for both. Yes. I had to make some changes like with the Duke's facial hair and Miss Scarlet's hairstyle was a little different. And I've kind of had to change it up for each character, you know, like depending on what they wear or their hairstyle and the different, all the men with the different facial hair features, mustache, beard, whatever you want to say. Okay. So I've had to kind of adapt with each one, which I like because it just challenges my creativity. Gives me something to figure out, I guess you could say. So how long does it take to do one? And how long did it take in the beginning? And are you getting faster or what's the process? <laughs> um, it takes, I can complete, um, like if I start on a weekend, um, a Friday evening, on a weekend when I have nothing to do, I can usually finish two in a weekend. And that's oh, wow. like picking it, putting it down and picking it up and things like that. So they don't take very long. It's gotten a little faster because... I've almost got the pattern memorized now, so I don't have to look at, at it as much when I'm making them. And so, how, how big are they? They are, I would say, 10 inches, 10, 11 inches tall, maybe. Oh, wow. That's big. Yeah, they're big. Or, I, I assumed maybe. that they were kind of maybe five or six inches big. Oh, I don't have one with me. Maybe... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, They're bigger than they look um, in the pictures. Yeah. I, I assume they were not like tiny, but yeah. not as big as what you're saying they are. Um, okay. Maybe if it's too long. Um, 
Yeah, I, nine or ten inches, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's a good size. And and I have a question from my my little girl who loves the pictures, and I I keep showing them to her. And unfortunately, I am in no way anywhere near as talented as you are when it comes to crocheting. I can't even get past the third the third line. But she wanted me to ask, how come they don't have smiles? Why do they only have eyes? That that was just a feature on the pattern, so it was just the eyes. Mm-hmm. Have you tried so to make? It like facial features and just thought oh these look terrible I'm not going to try it again or you've just not tried at all I haven't tried on the Miss Scarlet and the Duke dolls which I actually just finished I crocheted a figure based off my each of my grandparents and I did put the facial features on them so now it's got me now it's got me wanting to start over on the Miss Scarlet and the Duke characters <laughs> and start putting the facial features on. So the nose and mouth. So I may. So I'm probably going to start a whole new set and put the facial features on there. Just add them myself. Just so change the, the costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. So what of the characters have you done? Have you done them all, or is there? Because I know you've done a lot. I, I've done most of the characters that have been in the show more than once. I didn't do any of the, like, just the single episode characters. And I've got Frank and Honeychurch and um, Moses and Harry Hildegard and Mr. Potts and Sterling. Who else did I do? Of course, Moses, all them. Um, I've done some characters from the fan fiction stories too that were mentioned in the show, but not necessarily on as a character like Arabella and um, Hudson um, and just some a, a couple of other characters that were in, mentioned in fan fiction stories. I like so. the dog. I like the little mm-hmm. doggy. Mm-hmm. Aggie. <laughs> yeah, that one was fun. <laughs> I love how the pictures are that when you post a picture of them, that even though they don't have real facial features, they still are so expressive. Like you can almost imagine them having these these dolls, having these little conversations. (laughs) And I just every time you post one of the pictures, I'm like, I feel like I need to put a caption with this. (laughs) Yeah, that that one of um, Eckford of Arabella, she did (laughs) look angry. Yeah, that's yeah. not intentional, but she did look angry or like she was glaring at him. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Apparently she still doesn't like Eliza, does she? <laughs> not at all. Which not was your all. favorite doll to do? Do you have a favorite My, one? Uh, not, not really, I don't guess. They've all kind of been a favorite in a way, just trying to figure out how to change them up you know like uh the duke with his with his facial hair and eliza with her fancy updo like papa scarlet with his 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 hair was different you know and then his facial hair and then putting glasses on him darling and mr potts with their different suits like mr potts is kind of a i don't know if i would call it plaid but it's got like stripes running through it 
Um, and so did Sterling's. So just kind of making changes to fit each of those. That's kind of, so each one's, a, I guess, they're all my favorite. I can't name just one specific one. I remember, I think I did ask um, Simon Lauders about the suit, the color of the suit or something. Yes, I think you did. <laughs> which, which was funny with his, I did it in brown and then found a, like a gold marker at a local, like our do local Dollar Tree. Um, and I, so I drew on the, drew on the doll to add the stripes. Oh, and that's the lines creative. Yeah. <laughs> so have you always yeah, well, I mean, kind of done crocheting? Because it's not an easy skill to, to kind of do. Well, my, my grandmother, my um, mom's mom, my grandma, uh, crocheted a lot for me when I was, crocheted a lot when I was little, a child, and she tried to teach me, like, probably when I was, like, nine or ten, and I just could not, not pick it up. I could do a, a single chain, but could not go farther than that. So, about 15 years ago, I picked it up again, thinking I was doing it right, and found out I was, each stitch I thought I had right was doing wrong, but Luckily, there are plenty of videos on YouTube that that showed me, um, got me started on the basics. And then as I picked up doing patterns, I kind of picked up skills along the way that I can add um, when I'm trying to do things on my own, like altering the different, altering the pattern to make the different characters. Pick up more skills as I go along that kind of helps. And I guess I've been doing it about 15, I think I said that 15 years wow oh so so um, I can knit which is a very different kind of skill with two knitting needles I can do that but I can't seem to transfer that to crocheting yeah see I haven't tried knitting I don't know if that's something I would be able to do I want to try but I just haven't done it yet perhaps we should do like a little lesson swap there you go i'll show you how to knit yeah. you can show me how to crochet the whole scarlet oh, that would be crafting great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we have we definitely have a lot of talented scarleteers yes we in do many different ways yep i can crochet but just in like a straight line i can't even do like a circle for like a hat or anything like that i could do a scarf or blanket, but I can't even do like a granny square kind of thing unless my mom really tells me how the whole counting and like skipping or something. And I'm just like, nope, mm -hmm. I can do a row and then I flip it, but I can't do anything super in detail. So when you yeah. did the whole doll thing, I'm like, the whole uh, amiguri and a, and a gummy, you know, those. I think it's like, Amigurumi or something. Yeah, something, something like that. I have a something like that. Yeah, I have a friend who crochets like a whole lot, and she does blankets and the amiguris or whatever it is. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, she did a whole display of like these crocheted fruits and vegetables, and it, you know, it's kind of like the dolls. And I'm just like, I have no idea how to do a shape like that. I can't even do a square or a rectangle nicely and so I'm very impressed with your dolls I was gonna say I have a funny story about learning how to do the like the the shapes the rounds 
Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, um, a lady I know wanted me to teach a class at our local, like, higher learning center. It's a Votech, like, trade school, a class on crochet. And a lady came that actually knew more than I did um, and oh. taught me how to get started with the circle. So I'm like, okay, so I'm supposed to be the teacher and you're actually teaching me. But yeah. that made it a whole lot easier to pick up, like, mom making the dolls and things. So, hey, you got to learn somehow. So, yeah, so you got to learn it was somehow. Great. Yeah. Well, you really do these dolls so well. But you love the show as well. What made you want to go above and beyond being just a fan? Like, what made you want to find the Scarleteers? And what made you want to do these dolls? What about the show just made you want to be more than just a regular fan? I I love British television and the accents and just period pieces. So watching the show, you know, I just kind of got hooked from the start. And then when I think I was on a commented on a post on PBS or something and somebody said, Hey, you need to come join this group. And so I went and found it and just found a whole lot, you know, this whole community of people that love the show as much as I did. And when I did my first couple of dolls, just the encouragement and the, they gave me a lot of inspiration to keep going. So it's just a great, great community of people. I feel like I've made a lot of new virtual friends, even though we're like all over the world and I haven't met any of y'all, but. Yeah, I agree. It's a great it's group that, and a great show. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Great community. Okay, well, Diana, thank you for coming to talk to us about your crochet dolls. And um, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to say about Miss Scarlet and the Duke? I am really looking forward to season two. Amen. We are excited too. I know there are um, at least 1,500 people in the Scarlet Tears group that are. Also looking forward to that. So yeah. Yeah. Please keep sharing your dolls with us because they are so good and and we do love we do love seeing them. Yes. Oh. Yep. I will. I will have the the Padre and Georgie ready soon, I hope. Um we're we're looking forward to it. Okay, our final guest is Trina. Trina writes fan fiction for the group. Trina is a member of Scarleteers and is beloved by many in the group because she writes delicious fanfic, as well as our co-host, I guess, of the podcast, Lindsay. So this is kind of a Trina slash Lindsay a little bit of fan fiction, but we're going to mostly talk to Trina about writing fan fiction. So welcome, Trina. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everybody loves your fan fiction. I just saw a member saying how much they loved your newest chapter, I guess, or newest. I don't know. You write so much. I don't necessarily say so often, but you 
are just beloved by a lot of members for your fan fiction. What do you enjoy about writing fan fiction that made you say, I need to write fan fiction for Miss Scarlet and the Duke? So, like, what? Why did you start writing for well, Miss Scarlet and Duke? Thank you for that. That that just happened today, of course. Shialbin, uh, uh, I don't know how to say her name. I'm sorry. I, she posted in Scarlet Tears raving about Heartquake, and I just finished mm -hmm. it. I just finished publishing it. I finished it a month ago or a few weeks ago. Anyway, um, so thank you for that. That that's new, and that's I'm I'm I. You can't see me, but I am blushing right now. <laughs> I wasn't ex I wasn't expecting that. So that was very, uh, that was very uh, sweet and, and very kind. And there have been lots of kind words on the, on the fanfic site. What do I like about writing fan fiction for Miss Scarlet and the Duke? Well, what's not to love about these characters? I, I joined fanfiction.net, I don't know, six years ago uh, because I was looking for mentalist stories. And there were lots on there, just FYI, in case anyone's curious. And there were a lot of really good ones on there, there were a lot of really bad ones too, but hey, you mm -hmm. know, and I read all of it and uh, I sat there and thought, God, I'd love to do this. This would be so cool. But I, I never did for the mentalists. I just didn't, I wasn't inspired enough. And I also had joined the show a little late and I had to go back and watch reruns. And anyway, so here I am with Miss Scarlet and the Duke how can you not want to take these two people and throw them into situations and say, what would they do if you did this? <laughs> what would happen if you put these two people in a blender and then you added a whole bunch of little things and all these little wonderful things happen? That's, that's kind of where it started for me. And I, I mean, I didn't have any intention of, of, of doing it. I, I joined this, I joined the sites archive of our own. I didn't even know existed until I, became a scholar scarleteer so I was very excited to find a second website for that and I don't know I just it popped into my head one day the very first fanfic popped into my head I went "Ooh, what would happen oh oh that was that sounds fun <laughs> it sounds sorted but it wasn't <laughs> mm. and I wrote I wrote it I was sitting in a uh, I was sitting with my very dated Windows 8 Nokia phone and opened OneNote and started writing, and I was waiting for a COVID test. So I, I wrote it while I sat there. It was a long, it was a long wait for a test that day, and I wrote it within forty minutes, or most of it. I shouldn't say all of it, but most of it. And then I sat on it, and it was like, wow, okay, this was really kind of cool. And then I thought, well, I'm going to publish it, see if anybody likes it. So what brought me to that? The, the characters brought me to it. It was just there was a, a creative thrill that I got from it and it was such a great form of escapism. The show itself is a great form of escapism, but writing all of a sudden, I'm writing all the time in my head while I'm driving, when I'm at work, as long as nobody's talking to me, my brain is like, what would William say to Eliza if she did this? So these things are going on in my head all the time. It's a bit distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, but it also like, okay, well, um, now it's starting to take over my life. So I'm going to have to start to learn how to uh, time manage a little better than I have been. But 
So I think that answered your question. I hope I didn't go off on too much of a tangent there. No, that was answered my question immensely. I didn't realize it was that organically that you just sat down and wrote it on your phone. I, I, I did. That and I, I have a crappy old phone too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, so, I'm impressed. Yeah. So anyway. you, you do a lot of research for your stories, like you've added a lot of kind of Victorian slang, which I think gives your stories quite a nice twist to them. You know, what sort of research, and, and you've enjoyed a lot of the research and things that you've done for these stories, because you've also kind of done a lot of like research in terms of map work and locations and yes. things. Yes. Yeah, the, the research is almost as enjoyable as the writing experience, which I, which is really weird because I'm really lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, uh, and I've never considered myself a detail-oriented person. I worked in the dentistry business for 26 years, and the people who are detail-oriented are my bosses. You know, you want to have an exquisite filling. You want to have a really great dental crown and I'm just the assistant basically I'm just a glorified maid that sets up and cleans up and makes sure you don't spit on the floor or something like that but I've never considered myself a detail-oriented person and I just thought research well that sounds boring and but I just once I don't know there's something about this show that and Rachel has said you know you put this strong female character with this very old-fashioned male character, put them in 19th century London, put them in a situation that has them at odds, but also has them coming together. And you've got that lovely push-pull that I love. And, but setting them in that Victorian era, era is so fascinating because there are so many limitations to what a woman can and cannot do, which, and society of what you can and cannot say, and reputation was a big deal. And, and yeah, the research was really educational for me. I hated social studies in, in high school, absolutely detested it. I love history. When my husband and I go places, we go to the museums. We're not checking out the latest concerts or whatever. We like music, but we, we would rather go to the museum and learn about, oh, look at this place. This is really cool. And that's sort of become our focus in the last few years. And, and this show has kind of made me, well, think, well, what was Victorian times like I mean I'm already a fan of Murdoch mysteries on tv and they're set in the very early 20th century they have the turn of the century they're about oh they're about 15 years ahead of uh William and Eliza mm -hmm. and so and and from a Canadian perspective which is exciting for me so it's really fun to look back and go oh man they didn't have electricity oh man, they used to throw their sewage out on the street. Oh, that's gross. And they, oh, these kinds of things were like, wow, you know, we take all this stuff for granted. And I think the, the research is fun for me because it, it makes me appreciate what I have. And as a woman, it make, make, really makes me appreciate what I have. And it just, yeah, it, it's fun to go back in time. And like I said, I, I do a lot of my daydreaming and my writing in my head. And if I'm at work and I want to zone out for a few minutes while, while the doctor is suturing her latest gum graph, I can just sit there. <laughs> I do do this. <laughs> I can just sit there. I can just sit there and envision, okay, what would I be doing if I was in Victorian London right now? So, okay, well, what would be, I want Eliza to be walking on the cobble, cobblestones and how could I describe that? What language would work there? And, oh, this would be fun. And anyway, so yeah, it, 
again, another form of escapism to do the research. And, and I, I researched Heartquake probably for a good couple of weeks before I even started writing it because I wanted it was so dependent on location. And I had to pick a good spot. And I've not been to London. I've been in Heathrow and that's about it. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to make sure I get this really right. Because I have no idea about this place that I'm talking about. And I can only describe it based on the map that I was using for 1899. And of course, Google Street View. And go from there. And yeah, every time something would crop up, I'd say, oh, what's this? Cabinet shelter? Oh, what's that? Do a Google search. Boom, research it. What's this for? Oh, is that still there? Oh, great. Wonderful. Did this hotel exist in 1882? No, it didn't. Okay, don't include that in the story. So, you know, it, it became <laughs> very, it really did. It became very time, time consuming, but uh, all um, encompassing. It just totally, it sucked me in completely. I was like, I'm there. I'm in it. And it but was you fun. can tell the level of, of detail that you've gone into when you read it. And you can tell the amount of effort that you've put in with the research, which is lovely when you're reading it. I appreciate that. I, I, I keep out a lot of things, too. I learn more than I need to know, but I mm -hmm. keep that in the background. And, you know, there's details. And I'm sure and Rachel will probably be very similar in saying, oh, there are details that you guys don't know about, but they exist. And, you know, whether they'll ever crop up in a, an episode, we may never know because, you know, you just have to have that backstory. And, and that's the hardest part of it is, is creating the backstory and creating the, the, the detail. But again, it's so interesting to know that these things, this is how it was in, you know, 1880s in London. And it's kind of fun to just kind of put myself there. And, and I always... I always strive for as much accuracy as I can. You have to take some artistic license because you'll just, none of us were ever there and we don't have any relatives that were there. It's just impossible to know for sure. We have to rely heavily on these websites and these um, publications. Sometimes you can find Victorian publications online that, that were newspapers from 1880. I've found some newspapers from 1882. It's wonderful. It's like, oh, this is, this is authentic and it gets oh. me excited. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I like that detail and, and again I don't know where it came from I guess 26 years of, of dental work could finally I kind of sort of soaked it all up and went oh yeah okay no pay attention to detail because you know it's worth it yeah I don't know if if you guys ever had this feeling like when you you visit a historical place or some something and you suddenly get a chill and it's like, oh, my God, these people walked on the same street yes. that I'm walking mm -hmm. now or mm -hmm. they touched yes. the same stone that I'm touching now. And yes. that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's I similar mean, to, to reading a newspaper from 1882 because you're like, oh, my God, these people touched this newspaper and I'm reading yeah. it now. Yeah. I found, uh, I found today I was researching and I found um, photographs. I was, <laughs> I was researching Victorian facial hair <laughs> because <laughs> you have to describe your characters as, okay, is yeah. this guy going to have a mustache or should he have what kind of weird face? Fa and I was like, I don't even know what these things are called. Victorian facial hair, pink. And up it comes. And I clicked on a picture. And of course, there's a, a bunch of different men with different styles and their hair. And oh, some of it is hideous. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's mutton chops, man. I'm telling you, thank God that didn't come back in style. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures and I'm, I'm 
part of my brain goes, these are real people. These are photographs of men who lived in those times. I said, they would have had no clue that some crazy Canadian girl would be looking at their photograph in 2021 on a, on a, in a technology that they couldn't even even fathomed. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. I said, these poor buggers don't even know <laughs> that I'm looking at them. And looking at their facial hair and going, weird, man, this is so cool. Like, you know, it, it sort of struck. Yeah. So that kind of thing strikes me. Yes. You're making me really self-conscious about taking my selfies of my own. <laughs> <laughs> now I imagine well, people looking at them in a hundred years and going like, oh my God, that hairstyle was awful. <laughs> Oh man, I do that now. I, I I'm old enough to look back at my '70s pictures and go, "Oh man, <laughs> bell bottoms and oh gee, shag haircuts and oh yeah, no, <laughs> it is what it is. History, and that's what makes history so neat. Is oh look, these people actually thought they looked great, and they probably did. Yeah, you know, for, for the time being, really, <laughs> absolutely. Going back to fan fiction and writing or reading fan fiction, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to read or to write fan fiction? And if you read it, what kind of genre do you prefer? Mm, I've been I've been struggling with this question because I love reading it and I have always loved reading it. But now I'm writing it. And it's like, oh, this is so fun. And it's it's very time consuming. I haven't been reading a lot of the other fan fiction because I'm working on the sequel and it's driving me crazy. But uh, I do like, I like both. I like the one shots, especially right now, because I need, I need a little tidbit. You know, I can read a section and go, okay, I'm that one, that's, that story's over and that was fun and I enjoyed it. And now I can go back to doing what I was doing before without feeling like I'm Like putting a bookmark in a book is I got to come back to that. Not that I mind doing that, of course. And we all have to do it if you're reading a longer fiction. But uh, right now I'm enjoying the one shots just because it's time management is not my not my forte right now. But to, to write or to read, man, I'm enjoying the writing. I really I really do. And and I I don't like the first draft writing. That's the vomit draft. You just spew out what you've got in your head. So I had to get this out onto some kind of paper or electrical form or electronic form and just spit it out. And then you let it sit and then you come back and read it and go, oh man, this is crap. And then you have to edit it. So the editing is the part I actually really like the best. Then it, you're, you're fine tuning. It's a little bit like sculpturing, I guess, if you're, or painting, if any kind of creative endeavor, you, you, you start it and it looks like nothing. And then you start to, okay, well, we're going to add a color here, or maybe we'll carve away this part of the stone. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, now it's taking shape and it starts to look better. So I'm enjoying that process more than I ever thought I would. And that's, if I had to choose between writing and reading, I would probably pick writing right now. Yeah, that's really cool. And since we have a second fan fiction writer, I'm <laughs> Handing yeah. over the question to Lindsay. So That's a good segue. Yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> what do you prefer? I don't know. It's writing is a great form of escapism. And I think for me, it was kind of I started, I mean, I I, I was lucky in the sense that I'd seen the episodes back in kind of 
May, June, July of 2020. And so I had a lot of time to kind of mull over the characters and just get a story in my head. And I hadn't written anything in ages and ages and I had no time to write. And suddenly I just had this story in my head and it would not go away until I'd written it. And I wrote it like so quickly and I read it back now and, and I kind of go, oh, I'd probably change a few bits if I was to go and redo it. But actually, I really enjoy that part. But then I've also, I've never written one shots. I've always written kind of long stories that have multiple chapters because I've always felt like I waffle too much. And, you know, one shots need to be quite snappy and punchy. And um, But actually, I've written two for for this for Miss Scarlet and the Duke and one was kind of a again it was the story that just would not go away and it was kind of a a missing scene that I felt episode six needed just a, a little bit of calm after the storm for William and Eliza just sitting in her drawing room talking and I really enjoyed that bit and it was nice because it kind of was written and done And again, the second one shot I did was literally my first day in about six months where I had no husband, no child, nobody at home. And I just sat and poured out this one shot. And I was like, this is just a whole load of rubbish. (laughs) But I posted it anyway. And actually, people (laughs) really enjoyed it. And so part of me kind of goes, actually, one shots are quite nice because like Trina said, you can read it and that's it. And it's done. And people kind of like that punchiness to them you don't have to give them too much time when you're writing and also when you're reading but equally I quite like the length of some of them my most recent one I really thought I had gone off the deep end it's like 22 (laughs) chapters it took took like 10 weeks of posting and I tend to I try and post uh, like two chapters a week and as I was writing it, I was like, oh, God, this has gone on too long. Like, I'm literally going to lose people now. <laughs> but actually, people really enjoyed it. And, and I think, you know, it's, it is lovely when people do come along on that journey with you when you're writing it. And the same when you're reading. I, I've loved some of the other, like, long chapter stories because you can really get into them. But equally, I've also really enjoyed the one shots that are on there because, again, they're snappy, they're punchy and some of them are really funny. And yeah. you, know, you you kind of you sense that people really understand these characters and we've really kind of got to grips with why they behave the way they behave. Yes, I get I I agree with you on that. Yes. And there's something very digestible about the one shots. Hmm. But you can have a lot of fun with a longer story, I think. Absolutely. Definitely with my last one, I've had I had a lot more fun with them and putting characters in certain scenes and and having Ivy and Mr. Potts go on a little walk with with Eliza and Rupert kind of snooping on them going, what's going on here? And, yeah, you get to have a little bit more fun and in depth when it comes to a longer story. 
those little side scenes were fun too. They were fun to fun to read, fun to visualize in your head. Yeah, that was uh, I enjoyed that one. You're yeah. you're I'm I'm looking you up right now. That Miss Scarlet and the Band of Thieves was seventy nine thousand words. <laughs> I literally thought I'd gone off the deep end because the last time I wrote something that long was Gilmore Girls, and it literally took. I re- looked it up, and I spent a whole year posting this. 80,000 word story wow. and that was written in about 12 weeks and oh posted uh kind of yeah so probably in the space of four and a half months I think written and posted oh but wow. yeah I did kind of scratch my head and go oh god I've, I've what have I started <laughs> <laughs> oh good for you though uh, we do you really- think you'll have trouble remembering what is fiction and what is quote reality in the shows when season two comes along when you go oh that was something so and so written or i i wrote as opposed to what is really in the show now because it's been so long and or was so memorable and funny like sometimes (laughs) i have that i'm like oh that was that was a fan fiction not reality I think because there's only six episodes I think it's quite easy to remember what happened in those six episodes I I agree I don't I don't think we're going to have that much trouble if if someone if someone's getting something confused with fanfic then I would take that as a major compliment yeah (laughs) and I think a lot of people and a lot of the, the fanfic writers have have almost taken the characters and made not made them their own but made the story their own and moved them in a way that it doesn't detract from the show but at the same time you can tell this isn't part of the show um Mm -hmm. you know we we've written the characters perhaps as we would like to see them that doesn't necessarily mean that that's on in Rachel's head I mean I I still can't wait to see what Rachel has come up with because you know it's it's probably totally different to where any of us have kind of taken them I I think you can count on that (laughs) (laughs) and I'm looking forward to it as well yes I can't wait to see what season two has in store I think the first time I was really um confronted with fan fiction was in the Harry Potter fandom and we had some really long times when uh, JK Rowling struggled to to write the next book and so it took a long time so there were a lot of fan fictions and we read a lot of fan fictions and that definitely happened that fans then later were like oh this scene I totally missed that in the book and then we were like no that happened in the fan fiction so it won't be included in one of the movies (laughs) wow (laughs) it happens it happens so yeah poor fans getting confused with fan fiction and reality <laughs> I, I can but, see that happening when with books like if you read it so much I can mm-hmm. see that kind of happening yeah. true books yeah. versus tv yeah, might be different yeah 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 you mentioned some websites for fan fiction can you mention them again and Lindsay can you mention or both of you mention websites that people can go to to find fiction or find your fiction to read uh sure well 
the two main fan fictions that I discovered that that deal with any TV show, movie, anime, manga, whatever books are fanfiction.net, which incidentally I found out today through research that mm-hmm. it has been around since 1998. It is wow. the original fan fiction fanfiction.net is the original fan fiction and the other one of course is archive of our own which is shortened to ao3 um and i didn't even know that existed like i said um uh, i found a web <laughs> through my research i found a website that listed about five different um, fan fiction sites there is another one i you guys may have heard well i know most of you have heard of wattpad or tumblr um i don't understand tumblr at all <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Me neither. Um, and and Wattpad is kind of more geared towards actually writers, uh, people who are writing fiction, but not necessarily fan fiction, which to me specifically means you're a fan of a show, movie, character, book, you know, some other form of media you're a fan of, and you're now taking those characters and you're fictionalizing them in your own little way. That to me is fan fiction. Uh, I don't know what Wattpad is. I have a friend who actually published a book on Wattpad and it had nothing to do with any other kind of character. She created it all herself. I did not get around to reading it, but it's supposed to be quite good. Anyway, so <laughs> those two websites also exist. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking for Miss Scarlet and the Duke fanfic, those are the only two places that I've been able to locate myself. So, okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, Trina, what made you, and what about the show, made you go above and beyond being just a fan of the show? What made you want to write this fan fiction about the show? Again, I, 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 I struggle with a, a coherent answer. And even one that I understand myself, I can only tell you that these characters are magical. There's something about them that has drawn us all together. They have captured the imagination. She's Eliza's not much unlike Sherlock Holmes. I mean, there's a massive fan base for any kind of Sherlock-based stories and or shows that they're making of that. And she has that 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 appeal, of course, for being in a Victorian era, but also being a woman and being clever and smart and quick-witted and maybe a little bit uh, morally, um, you know, her, eth- her ethics are a little, you know, I, what's the word I want to find? I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a writer and I don't know the word. <laughs> flexible? <laughs> she, she, well, ethically, yes, her ethics are a little flexible. She's not above, you know, slipping some laudanum to uh, her suspect or perhaps stealing a file off her friend, the inspector's desk and, you know, doing that sort of thing. It's a very cheeky thing for a woman to be like that in Victoria times. So she's very magical all of her own. Uh, William also, <clears throat> I won't use the word magical for him, but I will say that he's quite <laughs> Why not? Well, I, you know, Stuart makes him magical. I think Stuart Martin is wonderful, perfect actor. They're all perfect. Um, And I think that's the other component that makes these characters so magic and magical. They brought them to life. They they live and breathe and they're, they're very true to us. And this, it reminds me of the word, the fact that the word fan is short for fanatic because that's what we are. We are (laughs) fanatics. 
about this show about people who are not real people but based on some historical context I think it's very magical and that I feel to write fan fiction I can I will speak for myself I don't know if Lindsay will agree but I will say for myself I I don't want to alter them too much I don't want to be historically inaccurate I feel I would be doing them a disservice if I did so and it's hard because again as I said we don't live in 19th century London we live in 21st century wherever we are I'm in Canada you guys are all over the world and I think it's very cool but yeah to try to keep that context is very hard and I struggle with it all the time but I I I do the best I can with what I have to work with what little knowledge I have and what little research I can manage. So I feel they're, they're too precious. This show is too precious and too important to me to wreck it. <laughs> yeah. Wreck is not the word I wanted, but it's the first one that came to mind. So. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed trying to find a, a crime and a mystery for them to solve yes. as a writer that's kind yes. of been, I've kind of like I, I add little <sighs> bits of romance dotted through but yes. I, I pretty much every single story that we have always has them it's never just been about the romance of these two there's always some sort of mystery and I think as I've never written a, a mystery or a crime or and I remember giving my first story to my mum and my mum just being I didn't know you could do this no. I was like I didn't know I could do it I've never written a crime like murder mystery kind of thing and I I've fully fully enjoyed reading other people trying to have them solving a crime or a mystery yeah. but equally that tends to be my first thought of a story is what crime can these two be solving and how can yeah. I get other people involved and it's been lovely to yes. challenge and and to have that thought process of of the mystery yes I I, I concur and that's actually how the last story I just wrote came to be because I realized it's like, okay, the fan fiction for me is, you know, it's a, most of us are all about the shipping. We want the relationship. We want them to get together. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, again, you don't want to rush things because Rachel's not going to rush it. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be that way with her, but I, you know, Heartquake came of, came to be because I kept thinking of how can I get them in a scene where they'd end up kissing again? It's like, I can't keep them kissing all the time. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then I started, then I started thinking, well, what if kissing was the crime? And I went, Oh, Ooh. okay. And I, I had it. I, in my research for the previous story, I had found a, a Victorian website about kissing and how romantic it was in Victorian times and how it was the ultimate. I mean, kissing probably would have been, the equivalent of softcore porn to us today, you know, it was, you know, you didn't do it in public. You, you, it was very much, you know, and women swooned over these kisses and, and there were books about how to kiss women. And, and I've read that too. That was actually a really interesting little research thing I found as well on how to, how to kiss a woman in the 19th century. It was interesting. So I, I came up with this idea of, okay, well, what if the kiss was the crime? 
And then I realized, oh, now I have to make them confront the kiss that they had when they were younger. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it, it evolved from there. But uh, oddly enough, that once I decided what the crime was, it came out very fast. And it, it like you said, Lindsay, it sometimes it's just like, oh my God, I got to get this out. Yep. And the next thing you know, it's out, you know, like, okay, now I got to polish it, make it look good. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't take that long. That one didn't, this, the sequel is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think up of a crime, trying to consider what crime can I come up with? And I was thinking today, just to get off on a tangent for a second about episode two, the la- lady in red. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yep. I always get the titles mixed up. Um, I was thinking how that crime was, I mean, it was, it was murder. It was very serious, of course, but the, the consequences of the murder or the, of the mechanics of the murder were interesting because this poor man, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched the show yet, this poor man is feeling betrayed by his lover. He goes to his house ready to slice his throat open, which is horrible. And he must know on some level that the, his lover is going to fight him. And so, but the fact that he winds up unconscious on the floor while he's laying there bleeding out and then picks up the knife, how could he predict that? And the only thing I can think of is, well, you know, it was a crime of passion. The crime itself doesn't have to have a lot of predetermination or premeditation. Sorry, that's the word mm-hmm. I wanted. Premeditation for it to just unfold the way it did. And then Eliza shows up and sees what she sees. And then William shows up. And, and so the crime unfolded in that way. And I said, that was really kind of neat because it made me feel better about what I'm writing right now because the crime doesn't make sense. And most crimes really don't. I think anybody who's, you know, especially with murder of, of a lover or whatever, it's, it, you're not thinking straight. And I think, you know, you're not thinking of the consequences and the way the, the way the plot can unfold can be, well, it just so happened that this happened and then so-and-so showed up and then if they hadn't shown up, then it would have went this way. So it, it, I don't know if I'm making any sense, mm-hmm. but I'm basically just trying mm-hmm. to say that, you know, if she hadn't seen that telegram, he might've gotten up and left the room and no one would have known the wiser that he was even in the room. He might've mm-hmm. still gotten, uh, been the suspect, but you know what I mean? Like he could have, yeah. what if he had woken mm-hmm. up before Liza got there? And saw the note and grabbed the note and hid the letter. He could have hid the letter. His wife wouldn't have known any better. And he would have had to explain while well, he came here distraught. Like he might have been able to get away with it. But because she read that telegram, it all unfolded differently. And I, I, it made me feel better about the crimes I'm trying to write right now. Because I'm, logistically, it's like, well, this is ridiculous. Why would this person do this? I said, because they're not thinking straight. They're so upset. and They're so mad that they're, they're, they went ahead and did it this way. And then things go south escalated so, escalated yeah. thank you that's the word i wanted so there you go wow that was really fascinating <laughs> yeah was it i, 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 I like listening to how your brain was working so yeah <laughs> yeah my brain frightens me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're assisting the dentist with some serious work and you're just thinking all these things and doing your <laughs> work well, by it, rote memorization i'm <laughs> fascinated well it i don't memorize well and and like i said i i, I think of my two favorite play three favorite places to come up with plot lines are assisting the dentist when she's not talking to me driving home in the car which is slightly dangerous by the way mm-hmm. and in the shower 
those are the three places where, except for the dentist, I'm alone, at least alone in my head and nobody's talking to me and bugging me. And I don't have to think about teeth and I don't have to think about, oh yeah, I got to go vacuum or I got to feed the dog right now or shoot, I have to go make sure the cat's litter box is clean. So it, when my brain is free, then I, I, I write the scene in my head and I write it. I write it in my head and I write it and I write it over and over again. Okay, do that again. And I'll replay it like a, like a VCR. Oh, I just dated myself. Replay it over <laughs> and over in my head. And Fortunately, you're among friends. We all know what a VCR yeah, is. <laughs> we all understand. Totally. That's all good. So that's, you know, and then once I'm ready to write the scene, when I finally get to that point, then I can write it out. It may not be exactly the way I thought it the very first time I thought it, but I thought about it enough times that, okay, I can spit it out and there it is. And it's like, okay, now I can think about it again. And when I go to re-edit it, okay, oh yeah, I wanted her to see that. And what if this word was, this would work better than that word. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, by the way, thesaurus.com. Thesaurus mm-hmm. is my best friend. I have Love. to say, the Thesaurus Love. is one of those because I think when my mum read my one of my first stories, she was like, "You do like to use this particular word a lot," and I suddenly realised that in one paragraph, yeah. I'd used it yeah. like three times. I was like, "Right, I need to find a new word." <laughs> yeah, Thesaurus yeah. has I, definitely been my best friend. I, I couldn't live without it because, and because again, my brain just goes, "Oh." And sometimes I think of the word, and I, earlier I just said predetermination, but I knew I meant premeditation. There's very similar words, totally mm-hmm. different words. But sometimes I get, I'll sometimes think, okay, I think the word is sort of like this. And then I'll go to dictionary.com and look at it and said, no, that's not the right word. I think, oh yeah. And then my brain, oh, this is it. And then it's okay. I don't want to use that word, but I want to use the one like it. And then the thesaurus comes in handy. So yeah, yes. Yeah, when the word is right, you and your brain goes, "Yes, that's the one I wanted." It's kind of like it's kind of like getting you know shooting the basketball into the net. And it goes in. It's, yes, I got it. That's what I yeah. <laughs> well, Trina, this has been fascinating talking and listening to you talk about fan fiction and writing. And I know the members of Scarlet Tears have been really receptive to your fan fiction so I know they they thank you for writing it too so thank you for being such a great writer and a prolific writer and doing the research and just being the wonderful self you are so thank you so much that that means a lot to me I this is new to me and I've I've been re- I've been a good reader for many, 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 many years. And I've always thought I, I did take a creative writing course once, uh, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> and so it, it it's, I guess I'd like to think it's been brewing for a long time and it, it's to finally be able to say, Hey man, I wrote this is, it makes, it makes me feel good. And when people say they really enjoy it, then that, that makes me feel even better. So thank you very much for including me in this today. Trina, anything else you want to say about Miss Scarlet and the Duke, the show? I'm ready for 2022. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's been the sentiment everybody has um, said. So we are very eager for season two. Very much so. And it's nice to see all the the little pictures that the Instagram folks are posting and say, Oh, look, here we go. Tease. And like, Oh, you guys are terrible. <laughs> oh, please keep them coming. Yeah. 
It's great. It's great. Okay. Well, Trina, thank you for joining us. And um, everybody join Scarleteers if you're not to read some of Trina's um, fan fiction or go to fanfiction.net.com.org. Fanfiction.net. That's what I thought. That net. Well, thank you, Trina. You're thank welcome. You. And don't, don't forget you. to read Lindsay's stuff. Lindsay's stuff. Yes, and so Lindsay's good. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I We're love very her. proud of our Lindsay. Yes. Yes, we oh, are. Thank you, guys. Lin Lindsay is my final uh, eyeballs when I write. So she, <laughs> she, she, and she's my good luck charm. So I always send it to her. Here, what do you think? <laughs> and I, I can't publish unless she says it's okay. <laughs> and you need no encouragement for me because every time I read it, I'm like, this is so good. You, you don't need me at all. <laughs> oh, I do, though. I do. So okay. much love. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Trina. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thank you. It's, it's been a delight talking to you. Bye bye. Bye. Hey. Now that Trina is gone, we are going to read. We asked for questions about what made the show a good show that made you want to search for other like-minded individuals like what made you search for a group on Facebook or the Scarlet Tears Twitter or the Scarlet Tears on Instagram or other what made you look for other like-minded fans so we asked that question of you guys on the last podcast, and we got so many good answers. I mean, it was probably the most answered question we've ever gotten, which is not saying a lot. Sorry, it's only four episodes that we've done. We've gotten so many good answers that we just had to pick some at random, but you guys did phenomenal in the love for Miss Scarlet and the Duke show. We just picked some. Lindsay, read the one you have. So the one that I have is uh, from the lovely Suzanne. And uh, she's one of our lovely Scarleteers. And um, so what she really enjoyed about the show is um, that when it ended in, in February, um, she just wanted to know more about the cast. And that led her to the fan chat that Isabel conducted really brilliantly um, with Declan and Rachel and Stuart and Kate and Andrew, which is, um, you can find it on YouTube and it's, it's well worth a watch. And, and after watching that, she kind of decided she wanted to know more and, and, and found the fan group and found the Scarleteers. And she was just, as many of us were, kind of craving the, the more of the series. And, and it was a real gift to find like-minded fellows and and talk about the show and talk about the scenes and the characters and you know it was it was a social reason to join and and it was lovely kind of I think as we've all felt during the pandemic you know when whether you live alone or you live with others to to connect with other people and connect with people and, and have something to talk about like the show which is which is really lovely to hear and and also the the history, you know, to learn more about history and 
you know, what she wrote was she absolutely loved the show and seeing the culture and the, the values that are addressed through the episodes, like the suffragettes and the women once married having no legal rights um, and, and that the husbands really did control their wives and how women couldn't pursue real careers like being a police detective. And and it really piqued her curiosity about the timelines and, and how we are today and how far we've moved. and and. And also the, the fashion and the beliefs like Mrs. Parker being so vocal about loose morality and, and bicycles and, and women taking a walk and needing a, you know, a gentleman to protect her. And, you know, Mr. Potts repeatedly telling William about women not being allowed in the, in the city morgue and, and Frank, you know, telling William in a prison, this isn't what a lady should see. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of of all of those curiosities that were piqued. And, um, and she's also added that befending my fellow Scarleteers um, got me more interested and benefited from, from my friend's research. So. Well, that's yeah. a very good comment. Thank you, Suzanne. Um, mine comes from Vera um, from Facebook. She just says that the show is just so fresh and she doesn't mean in the cheeky sense, although she does love the cheeky funniness of it. It's just that she was, it's so fresh and new to her that she wanted to find like-minded people to watch it or to talk about it with. So she didn't find anybody in her friendship circle who was talking about it. So she just kind of try to look for it online and it Isabel's um interview again like with Suzanne with Rachel Declan Kate Stewart and Andrew popped up on her YouTube suggestions so she watched it and Isabel suggested Scarleteers and so she joined the Facebook Scarleteers and she and I quote found her crew and so she joined the Scarleteers and with the show, it's just the combination of the things she loves, the writing, the acting, the directing, the sets, the history, the inclusion of the different people who aren't always portrayed in the period drama. And she also says that Eliza reminds her a lot of her maternal great-grandmother, who was a Victorian woman who said to hell with social conventions. Vera, thank you for the praise for the Scarlet Tears group, and thank you for the praise with the show. So Vera had very much the same as Suzanne said. Isabel, um, can you read yours? Yes, of course. Mine comes from Sally, who is also Scarlet Tears in our Facebook group. And she sent me her comment um, via the um, Facebook page, Scarlet Tears. Her words kind of mirror what uh, Trina has said about uh, not wanting to let the characters go after the season ended and that she searched and found the Scarleteers and she had never joined a fan group before. She did <laughs> for um, Miss Scarlet and the Duke and then she read uh, some comments for a while and she saw references to fan fiction and then she also started writing fan fiction and she hasn't stopped since then. And she writes, 
I knew next to nothing about the Victorian era. So I started researching as I wrote and I got hooked. The more I discovered, the more I wanted to know. I'm halfway through my third story, but, and this was the part that I personally liked the best, <laughs> but also have added research about the 1880s in the US closer to home for me. I'm planning to write my own historical mystery story based in a maritime community in New England. I've been taking writing classes and listening to writing podcasts, as well as joining several writing groups. I'm just at the beginning of this journey and know I have a lot, capital letters, <laughs> to <laughs> learn. But having such fun discovering a whole new passion, I'm calling it my little hobby that I never expected. Not sure where this will go, but enjoying the ride and grateful for the show and the inspiration. So this is something that um, I took from this episode that we did with the podcast, that we have so many fans that started as fans of the show. And then they added a little bit like a hobby, but it became so much more and inspired them to become so much more that changed their lives. For example, we had Megan, who is going to get a certificate in um, graphic design. We have Sally now, and she's she, she might be coming a real professional writer and uh, of her own mystery shows. Who knows? Maybe we have the next, I don't know, Agatha yeah. Christie or something. <laughs> Maybe. It gives you a little bit of goosebumps and make you kind mm-hmm. of choked up. Then uh, Sally added um, how supportive and amazing the other fans and writers have been. A community has formed and we are supporting and cheering each other, on which I'm also grateful for. I started writing for myself, but it quickly morphed into something more when readers commented and became invested in the new stories too. So not only we have some special fans who really go above and beyond and become this really like graphic designers and writers and whatnot, but we also are a community of fans and we support each other. So yeah. if, if you don't have any super special skills, if you're not a writer yourself or you're not a graphic artist, but your support for each other and for the show just means so much to each other and I know that it also means a lot to to Team Scarlet, to Rachel and Declan and Steve and all the actors. Yep, here, here. Totally. I think yeah, you know, it is a lovely, lovely community of people and we are it's lovely that it, it is so supportive of everybody, whether you're kind of creating artwork or stories or you know anything just can, kind of talking about the characters everybody is so positive and so lovely and I think that's what is so nice about our group yeah yep. spread the love and it just multiplies in ways yeah. we never thought yeah and, and, and definitely yeah. in this kind of pandemic lockdown un- unstable kind of world that we're living in at the minute I think this has all just kind of come along with people who who are who are just kind of looking for 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 positivity yeah and friendship yeah I agree I think that's a lovely 
thing to end our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and share the love. Share the love. <laughs> we are going to share the love with our next podcast. We're going to share the love of the costumes. So the next podcast is going to be about the amazing world of the costumes of Miss Scarlet. So ask your questions about the costuming and we might answer it. You never know. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to talking about costumes next time. Because Definitely. their costumes are phenomenal. We we, we love Eliza's dresses, the, the yeah. details on the on the waistcoats and the jackets that the guys are wearing and yeah. It's going yeah. to be fun. And We're really pockets. excited about it. <laughs> and the, the pockets. pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. We are going to share the love of pockets in the dresses. <laughs> so, yeah. Tune in for our next one for the love of pockets. <laughs> um, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this one where we share the love of fans and the love of the fans and the show. So it was a good one. Yeah. And, and thank you to, to Megan and, and Diana and Trina for joining us. It's been lovely chatting with you all. Yes. yes big thanks. Was. Yep. We love everybody. Thank you everybody for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0, license HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.